Racing. Green light, they're set to go. Green light's on. Set for a start. Kablenz holding on. Cut glory for Kablenz. But it is all heart style Rico, and he is going to absolutely bolt the Melbourne Cup in. Hello, I'm James Vandermart, and you're joining us for our first episode on the Green Light on Deep Dive podcast. We've got a very important racing participant who has climbed the biggest mountain in Greyhound Racing, a Melbourne Cup winning owner, Bill Bacilli. And just before we uh, welcome Bill in, I've had a little bit of an insight into what it's like to be a Melbourne Cup winning owner. I was speaking to Bill over the weekend. He was at the Rich River Golf Course on the weekend. Then he was at the, the Oz Open uh, final. But he's been good enough to uh, to spare some time and join us. Bill, how are you, mate? Yeah, Very good, James. Very good. Thank you. It's been a, an incredible journey. You're sitting there now as a, as a Melbourne Cup winning owner. But before we get to that, to become a Melbourne Cup winning owner, it has to have began somewhere. What was it that got Bill Bacilli interested in Greyhound Racing? Well, it all started, um, as most people probably know, know that know me, um, I'm involved with uh, my cousin, Serge, and um, it started from there, to be perfectly honest, mate. He's been in it a lot longer than I have, um, and he started his career in it as a, a young trainer, um, and then from there, he got out of training and just had a couple on his own that he owned, and, um, and I got in, involved in it and interested in it from there, and then we got... Um, into it and bought our own together and it just continually grew from there and that was back in about 2009 I think from memory um, 2009-10 is when we bought our first ever young pup and um, yeah just continually grew from there. Started a, a pretty powerful combination the Sea the Dream Syndicate but just back to uh, to that news on Surge where how long ago did he begin the, the training side and was there much success there as well that sort of got your taste buds tasting? Uh, he's, oh geez, you, you really tested me on that one. Um, my testing my memory, I think he's been involved for probably about 30 years. Uh, it was definitely his younger days. Um, yeah, look, he had a little bit of success, no, no group success, but he certainly had a couple of greyhounds that were winning races, um, on the country tracks. Um, but as I said, I think then he decided to stop training and thought the best option is to, you know, uh, own a couple of greyhounds um, rather than doing the, all the all the hard work because he, he, he was too busy with his own work. It was always hard to try and uh, train and, and work and create a living for yourself, you know, outside of that the industry. Um, so he just went into the ownership and then it just, like I said, flourished from there. It has been a, a flourishing ownership, no doubt about that. The journey itself, I, I just had a bit of a look through the, the history of the Sea the Dream Syndicate and the big name greyhounds that yourself and Serge have been in, in amongst the ownership. And if you could just give me a, a one-word response to, to these greyhounds. We'll start with Extreme Magic. Exciting. Bewildering? More exciting. <laughs> As Caban and Phenomenal? Well, you want one word. It's, it's really hard. Uh, honest. Honest. And Phenomenal um, was Phenomenal? Phenomenal was Phenomenal, yes. Mm. They've been some, some crazy good dogs. And, and I remember the days of bewildering speed star head-to-head. There, there really wasn't anything that was as quick as him, was there? Not in those days. I mean, in, um, when he was racing, he, he obviously he went as... Uh, his quickest time around there was 29.01 from memory in the Speed Star. 
And at that time, there weren't too many that were running those sorts of times. Um, obviously, since then, there's there's been some really good ones. We're breaking the 29, but yeah, no, it, in those days, it, 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 it was just super fast. It really was. I want to touch on the big three. I've, I've sort of separated, Bill, three greyhounds that, that really stand out for mine. You've got Black Opium, Equaliser, and Black Magic Opal. And I really wanted to hone in toward the end of this podcast on the Black Magic Opal story. And, and, and he was the greyhound that took you to that big mountain climbing, the, the, the Everest of greyhound racing, you could say, the, the Melbourne Cup. But before we get to that, how, how do you and Serge do it? Because you've got an incredible strike rate of having so many good dogs. What What is one of the secrets to, to success? Look, it's finding dogs that are well-bred. I, I really believe that um, bred from successful sires and dams, you know, um, and, and that is, that is, I think, the biggest secret of it all. Um you know, I mean, when we did first start, you know, you, it's like anything. Um, you, you, when you start, you, you're buying pups that maybe sometimes aren't as well bred, but still, well, <laughs> it's, a, it's a difficult to put into words. But bred well enough to buy, if you know what I mean. But mm. um, but our our thing is that we like to to look at um, the success of the, as I said, the the size and the dams really. There's been a, a bit of a chat recently about when people are buying pups. Do, do, you, do you look for certain things? When, when you say success, do you look for success over 500 metres or can they be a good sprinter? Is there, is there anything in particular that, that will push you to say, well, I, I'm going to purchase this pup because of that? Yeah, well, definitely looking, uh, we look for dogs that have had success over the 500. Mm. Um, you know, I mean... You know, the the dreams of people are always to to win the, the bigger races, isn't it? That's that's what everyone's there for. Uh, um, but everyone is happy to win all races, and so are we. Don't don't misunderstand what I'm saying there. But um, but we generally look for dogs that uh, have had success over the 500, um, and you tend to look for the ones that uh, that are you know. Have that early early pace um, because they're the ones that uh, get you into the into the race more often than not. Early pace, the ability to run five hundred meters. Let's rewind the clock to a greyhound that no doubt brought you a lot of success. She's recently become a mum, and here is Black Opium winning the twenty twenty Sapphire Crown. And I think Bill, it wasn't a bad race call either. And the girls are ready. The green light on. Stand by for the Sapphire. Set. Racing, Black Opium only fair to go out fast. Spring fair with Aston Silk and they'll pair off and lead Black Opium to third. Followed by Medallia Maggie and then Origami Angel. Diving up on the rail, Nangar Diva, Tallulah Bale and last chart topper. Down the back and Aston Silk the leader. Here comes Black Opium diving to the inside a length away. Just held up for a stride or two and then Spring fair as they turn. Aston Silk the leader. Grabbed by Black Opium who surged through. Black Opium takes the lead and she lands that elusive group one victory well there she was black opium and that was it wasn't it bill that that group one that evaded the champion girl for so long she got it and the way she got it was extraordinary yeah look absolutely geez that made the hairs on the back of my neck stand up then just listen to that again 
Yeah, it wasn't a bad call either by that person that called that race. Um, no comment. But, um, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, look, and yeah, you talk about what I was just saying, the, the early pace, which she did have, but on that night she mm. did miss it. And that's where we were excited to have won a race but come from behind, which isn't was unusual for her because obviously she more often than not she was the front runner. She went on after that, Bill. That was just the start in a way. She she went on not too long after to win the Brisbane Cup and here are the concluding stages of that, and, and you spoke of that early pace, what she could do, and, and she produced that on this occasion. A break then to Simon Told Helen in front of Hooked On Scott, Shaky Diesel and O'Mickey. Black Opium four in front of the home turn. She's well out in front of Who's Told Stevie, and Black Opium wins another group one by six legs. Special Sydney up for second. Extraordinary performance, that one. Ping to the front, absolutely smashed them, and you just heard a couple of the names in that call. Hooked On Scott, Who Told Stevie, Simon Told Helen. She was beating the best greyhounds around and potentially some of the best greyhounds that have raced in the last decade or so. Yeah, exactly, James. So, um, you know, she just hit that purple patch straight after the Sapphire Crown and she definitely loved um, the Albion Park track. Um, You know, know, she just, when she went up there both times, um, she just did everything right in, in every race. Um, and, and even the year before when she was runner-up in the Brisbane Cup, I mean, runner-up in the Brisbane Cup to Seneca who broke the track record. So, you know, <laughs> um, but she definitely loved racing there. Um, and she did everything right um, every time she went up there, to be honest. She was a wonderful race dog, had an incredible career, and you go through her stats, and, and to have won those couple of Group 1s at the end, I think it was just fitting. She's recently produced a litter. Bernardo was the the sire of choice. You must feel like a, uh, an excited dad sitting at home looking at the uh, the numbers. She had 10 pups to Bernardo. They're roughly, what are they, almost two months old now, just, oh, just under? Yes, that's spot on, yes. Just uh, remember the 23rd of December they were born. Just before Christmas, and the reason the choice of Bernardo was it was it something that everybody from the the syndicate they all agreed that he was the side to go with that the the crosses were right with Black Opium. Yes, they were. Well, Bernardo is out of uh, KC and all, um, and you know he was the the KC and all that uh, we wanted, and obviously um, with KC and all, yeah, you can no longer get um, get him. So. That that was the reasoning behind that. Not, but on top of that, obviously Bernardo, in his really short time, has mm. definitely you know thrown some uh, some really quick pups, um, quick dogs, and I think he's um, he's proven to be or going to be um, a good sire. I'd say a good stud dog. That's for sure. No doubt about that. Equaliser. Speaking of one of the big three, Black Opium, we've touched on now. Equaliser. Now, Black Opium had the speed. This, the ability to run 500. Equaliser had the ability to run 500, but not necessarily the speed. Here he is before we chat Equaliser winning the Brisbane Cup, which gave you back-to-back Brisbane Cups. Seven Shimmer Shine. Racing, Shimmer Shine sixth away. Best in the stride was Wise Thunder. Overland down under, here's Shimmer Shine charging down the outside. Goes up into third spot. Orbis was checked and getting away was Wise Thunder into the back. Three clear wood. Equaliser got to second. Third music event followed then by Shimmer Shine on the inside of Winburn Sheehan. Well back, see them try Cooper Duper and land down under. Down the side, Equaliser got through and dashed away. Over music event followed by Winburn Sheehan and Wise Thunder. But it's Equaliser's. Group 1 Brisbane Cup, equaliser by five legs, music event second. 
What I loved about that call down the back when uh, the race quarter realised it was equaliser second, I think he had to double check the paperwork to make sure it was definitely him second because that would have been an easy watch for a group one, wouldn't it, Bill? Yeah, look, once, uh, I mean, he's, he was the sort of dog that, as you know, it wasn't wasn't a very good beginner at all. Um, he could do it, but he, he did it maybe two or three times in, <laughs> in, in his early days. Um, but uh, but if he was unimpeded and around that first turn, and you knew he was you know within two or three lengths of the leader, you always felt quietly confident that he mm. could uh, definitely go on and, and, and run at home. You know, I mean, he was just so strong and so. So quick once he got that speed up, that momentum up, and uh, in the Brisbane Cup, um, he, that's exactly what he did. Um, he just once once he was camped there, um, you thought, oh, he's, he's going to do it, um, and sure enough, he did. Betting live in the run, he was a dollar oh one through the through the run. Once yeah. he got through that first hundred, he lobbed second. He, he had that extraordinary finish. And did the time surprise you to, to have that lack of early pace? I suppose it didn't because you know his ability, but he ran twenty nine five that night, rewinding the clock. It's just extraordinary. Yeah, look, it, it, no, it didn't surprise us. Um, it didn't surprise us. He's like a lot of his runs. He's been with you know within track records, lengths of track records. Um, you know, coming from behind, and, and, and it's just amazing. Um, once he gets ahead of steam up, how quick he really is. Mm. He's just. Once he winds up, like uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, he's only a, uh, a length off the track record at um, Ballarat over the 545. Um, you know, and, and and a couple of other tracks. You know, he's he's had um, you know a length or two lengths off the track record, and even in the Brisbane Cup running that time, I think that was only about two lengths off the track record then, um, and and that was coming from a fair way behind as well. So. And, and like you said, knowing how he was trialling, how he was racing, it, it never did surprise us, to be honest, no. What point with a greyhound-like equaliser? Because obviously he, he'd be an extremely quick greyhound when you solo trial him. At what point through through the upbringing did you really think this, this could be something pretty special here? Oh, look, uh, you know, pre-training and trialling, we knew he, he was always um, quite quick. So he, we... We knew we had something, you know, pretty special from there. But with their experience now, you know that trialling and pre-training can all go out the window pretty quick once they start racing. Um, and his early days of racing, you know, he um, when he was missing the start, you thought, geez, is he going to be able to do what we think he can do? Um and with a with a few within a few races, he, he just learnt so quick how to navigate around mm. around the field. He, he's, he's, his early starts at Warrigal, like you know, um, he'd be bombing the start, and, and he'd be coming from you know seven eight lengths last, and just going through the field around the field. And we thought, geez, he's really learnt that really quickly. So we we sort of felt it from early days that he could be something special, but then. As I said, you, once you, until they get on the track, you don't know what they're going to achieve. Now, a lot of the greyhounds you've had great success with have been greyhounds that you've had since a young age, but Black Magic Opal, who potentially will probably go down as the greatest greyhound you've, you've ever been a part of, was a greyhound that you elected to purchase uh, during his career. Now, 
I've wound back the clock to the uh, the start of the Black Magic Opal journey. He's by Magic Sprite Awesome Opal. He was whelped on the 17th of May 2011. Now, he began his racing in New South Wales at a track by the name of Canamble on the 29th of September. He won his first start, but only in a photo finish, and he beat a greyhound called Knocker Oz, who has gone on to only win nine races and have prize money uh, a shade short of $8,000. In comparison, Black Magic Opal went on to bigger and better things. He had 17 starts in New South Wales, 13 wins, four seconds. He won the Maitland Cup, and in early April, he beat Al Brooklyn, who was trained by Jason Thompson, in a heat of the Maitland Cup. Now, a couple of weeks later, the purchase was put through, and I could only imagine that was the moment in early April when Black Magic Opal was able to defeat Al Brooklyn that you became really aware of this greyhound and that he might be a greyhound you look at purchasing. Yeah, that again, spot on, James. You you've got that in in a nutshell. Um, that's when uh, you know we he sort of pricked our ears and eyes, um, and obviously with Jason. I mean, we only stopped with the Thompsons, uh, um, and and that's where it all began. And Jason was there uh, at the Maitland Cup, so um, you know he he got to watch him live, and and we were. Obviously, watching uh, and following, and, and on you know on Sky basically, and watching the races, and we thought, "Geez, there's something special there." And and you know the way he was winning, the way he was beginning, um, he's the best consistent beginner that we've ever had. Um, and just just from there, it just began from there, to be honest. And and then you know um, just made the approach, and 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 off we went. Was a sale something that that went through fairly easily? And you, you as yourself as an owner, were you were you nervous? You know, with the the, the buying of Black Magic Opal, because I'm not sure if the price had ever been released, but it, it would have been a substantial amount of money to, to pick up a greyhound that that had the form that he had at that point in time. Oh, look, it's 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 like anything, James. Uh, you know, there's a risk involved when you when you buy anything. Um, you know, no different to when you buy a young pup. You know, yeah. the, the, it's so you, you buy a young pup and you've got to spend the money um, to get him to race stage to know whether you've got something good. And the, in this case, we knew there was something good. Um, the, it, the risk was always there, um, but we were quietly confident that, you know, um, he could be what, what he actually became. You purchased him in late April of 2013, going through the watchdog form guide. He, he then comes out to debut for yourself and Team Thompson on the 22nd of May. He wins at Ballarat 25.03. Just five days later, he wins at Shepparton, goes 24.93. And before he knows it, he's back up at Wetworth Park contesting a major series, winning a heat from Box 5 in 29.77. And I guess at that point in time, you're sitting there going, we, we've definitely made the right decision with this dog. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you, you could see that... Um, that he was a special race dog. You could, like I said, you could see that he he just had that early speed that put himself in in, in every race. Um, and you you knew from um, his early races that that was going to be his trump card, um, and it proved to be. This was the race that Black Magic Opal went to that next level in the lead up to the Melbourne Cup. Right back in 2013, he takes out the Geelong Cup, and again. Not a bad race call, but I must say it sounds nothing like me here. Have a listen, Bill. 2013 Geelong Gold Cup, they're all in. 
racing. Black Magic Opal flew out of the four, landed two in front over Farmore Las Vegas. Poor licking out hard from the outside. Magic Opal had the lead, turned three in front, running on Farmore Las Vegas, then Poor licking. Black Magic Opal in front, and Black Magic Opal all the way wins the cup. Black Magic Opal. I sit there, Bill, and I cringe at that audio, but I watch the race and just <laughs> admire what he did that night. 25-11, 10.94 off the back. They were the approximate times. It was just a... A whirlwind performance, and and the moment I feel that that if you weren't already confident you'd bought a superstar after that that cup breaking the record, I think he broke the record in the heat, did he? And then in the final again, um, correct. Yeah, you knew then this is something out of the ordinary. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, and you rightly say um, he broke the track record um, in the heat, and then when he did it again to win the um, the final, he was just. Massive and 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 after that you just sort of sat there and you know the the thrill of it all and you think geez what 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 next what could this boy mm. produce next you know and it was just always in your forefront and you just couldn't wait to watch him race the next time um, but that was the sort of sort of greyhound he was you, you just you know you wanted him to race more and more just to watch what he could do. Um, and as you said, yeah, we, we just, at that point, we felt quietly confident, you know, with, with obviously the Melbourne Cup coming up. And, and again, the, the reason I say it more than anything else, James, is that you, you just had that early speed, um, you know, that, that just put himself out in front like, you know, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was the actual Melbourne Cup that he ran 4.93 to the first, first mark, you know, like that's just... Huge. Um, not many. Not many do that even today. You know, you get you get a few to do it, but you know, you're gonna you're gonna be in most races if you're running that sort of first split. It doesn't surprise me. You, you're all over the first split in the Melbourne Cup. Grab some popcorn. Grab a wine or a, a beer or whatever you feel you need to have a drink with here, Bill. Have a listen to this. This is your greyhound winning the world's greatest greyhound race, the Melbourne Cup 2013. The 21st of November, it was the $500,000 Melbourne Cup back then. And here he is, your greyhound, Black Magic Opal, winning the greatest race. Away, ready for the cup. Racing. Black Magic Opal began fast, straight out to lead. Dinah Beth on settling, followed by Hawk Alone and Kiss Me Katoot on the rail. Then Shifty Sticker as they jam up, followed by Peter Rocket. And the tail ender in the back is Iona Seven. Black Magic Opal goes down the back with a big lead, about five in front. Dinah Beth the pursuer, followed by Hawk Alone back on the rail. Shifty Sticker, then Proven Maddie, but Black Magic Opal has the Melbourne Cup. Four length break into the straight. Dinah Beth running on late, but Black Magic Opal's going to go all the way. Black Magic Opal wins by. By two to Dinah Beth, third to Hawk alone, and fourth proven Maddie back near the rail. They're followed further back by. For everyone watching, Bill, it was a, a disappointing race because it was all over with that breathtaking speed. It was a bit, bit of an anti-climax. But as an owner, can you can you explain that night? Can you rewind the clock? I I've seen so many photos. I think I saw you that night on track at Sandown Park. And how did it feel to to do what you did as an owner with Black Magic Opal? It's it. Hard to put into words <laughs> in so many ways, but the adrenaline that thro- uh, flows through your veins is just, oh, look incredible. Uh, really, really incredible. I'm a nervous uh, watcher of all our races. I've said this many times, and, and that's, um, that's not just in finals, group finals, in any race. I just get nervous before every race. But this particular night, um, 
I'll, you know, it was our first opportunity of the Melbourne Cup, and I, I don't think I've ever been any any more nervous than I was that night. In fact, that um, you know, there was probably an hour or so before the race, I, I actually couldn't speak. <laughs> That's how nervous I was. It was really, really strange sort of thing. But um, once we got out there and um, we found our little spot, we're on a, on a finishing post, um, and we had the families there. You know, uh, Serge's family and my family. We were there, and like I said, we were just nervous as anything, but just so excited. I mean, you know, we were excited that we were in the Melbourne Cup. I mean, there was that. That's just one thing. But once he he got out the the adrenaline rush to see him come past us in front. Um, well, I don't know. It, it, it's very hard to describe. It really is. I mean, I often say to people when they say, oh, how did you feel? And, and you know, and you watch AFL footballers when they win the premiership running around like real young kids just jumping around and think, geez, how, how can they be that excited? Well, let me tell you, it's the feeling was almost the same for us just, you know, when we uh, won that Melbourne Cup. It was just, Pure joy. It was just, you know, that's what you dream. That's that's what everyone wants to do. And we were fortunate enough and blessed that um, we were able to get it done. And it was just special. And it always will be. Even again, listening to that race just then, you know, I said before over there, standing up on the back of my neck, geez, you know, I can listen to that all the time. And, was, and I still get the same feeling every time I do it. You almost get a tear in the eye just listening to it. It's, it's, it's a weird thing. It's really special, Builder, to just listen to you talking about the race and, and the, the fact that dreams can come true. And for everyone who's involved in Greyhound Racing, whether it be as an owner, a trainer, a breeder, there is that chance every year that somebody's going to win a Melbourne Cup, and and I guess for you, is there still that fire in the belly that you you know you want to win another Melbourne Cup because you've been there, you've done that, and one thing I worry about, I don't know why I worry because it'll probably never happen to me, but I, I worry if I win a Melbourne Cup, will the drive still be there to to continue to want to win that 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 race once you've once you've done it? Ah. Uh, yeah. Don't be too worried, mate. It will always be there. It will always be there. Um, I mean, that, 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 that's what – we're still in there and, and we dream. I mean, as I said, we love racing. We love greyhound racing. That's why we're – you know, it's a magnificent sport. It really is. And like I said, it doesn't matter which race, but, you know, that's the pinnacle and we all like to, to get to that point and, and we want to taste it again. Uh, no question, you know. Um, I mean, we were fortunate enough to have um, Black Opium run second, you know, as a, as a baby, really, uh, and even that was thrilling enough um, to, to have that happen. But we're definitely out there, and we're still breeding um, our own greyhounds. And as you know, um, and we spoke about it with Black Opium, you know, and, that, and that's our dream. The dream is, you know, that that Melbourne Cup. I mean, there's pl- so many really great races around. There's no question. But the Melbourne Cup, I think, is is just what everyone wants, you know, and and we still do. So. So don't don't go for it. And if you do get it, I can tell you now, you you won't be satisfied. You, I went, sorry, I shouldn't say that. You you will be satisfied, absolutely. But you but want more. It won't stop you wanting it again. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not sure it's something I have to worry about just yet, Bill. But uh, I'm going to keep on trying, mate. There's no doubt about that. What's the the favourite food for Bill Bacilli when he sits down after work or after a big day at the races? Favourite food. I love my chicken parma. I was at, as you said, I was at the Rich River uh, Golf Club, and I I had two of those there. So it's one of my favourites, the old chicken palmer. What goes with the chicken palmer? What's the the drink of choice? 
Red wine. Dream race to win? Oh, no. One cup. Another one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's, yeah. It's, it's such an exciting thing to, to have been there and done that and, and still have that drive to, to want it again. Just before I let you go, I want to ask one more question, Bill. Sure. What's, sure. what's, what's better? What, what works better? Buying a, a ready-made race dog like Black, Black Magic Opal or going through, getting a pup, and trying to get that pup to the races and then go on to, to achieve that ultimate success? I, I would say buying a pup. Even though we achieved the ultimate success with buying a greyhound, um, I think that's not as easy to do. Um, you know, because most people today, if they've got a, a very good greyhound, you know, they're the, you're going to find it difficult to buy. But I think it's fun and thrilling to buy a pup, pick your pup, and go through the whole process from start to finish. Um, and once you get it on the track and it's winning, and you feel like you've, it, maybe, you, you know, we don't rear our own pups, as you know, or anything like that, but it's still thrilling to get to be involved all the way along the way and then have them on the, on, on the racetrack and, and do what they do. So I still like the idea of buying a young pup, being able to find a, uh, you know, the breed that you want, the lines you want, um, and get them to the racetrack that way. It's impressive. You've had an incredible career in greyhound racing already, and by the sounds of it, it's only just beginning. I really appreciate your time here on the Green Light On podcast, uh, Bill Bacilli. Your episode number one, so he started at the top with a Melbourne Cup winning owner. Good luck in all of the future endeavours, and uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks very much, James. Pleasure. Melbourne Cup winning owner Bill Bacilli. We really appreciate his time on episode number one, the deep dive on the Green Light On podcast. If you're wanting to know more about Greyhound Racing in Victoria, you can head to grv.org.au. Until next time, it's farewell. <laughs>